0: Welcome to another episode of and Hoops. Carson, we did it. The Blazers lost to the Thunder in dramatic fashion. I was getting a little bit worried there.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, Blazers lose another nail-biter, but uh, we take that as a win. A nice 0-4 this week. Yeah. Uh, it almost feels like a 4-0, and 0, uh, but, yeah, Blazers lose. Uh Not very good decision-making down the stretch from our young guys, but they'll learn through it. But, uh, yeah, another loss for the boys.
0: I like the decision-making. But uh, (laughs) then Macklemore, 28 points. Eubanks, 27 and 14. Three steals, two blocks. Brandon Williams, 25 points, 12 assists. Pretty good game. Keon Johnson made a mistake at the end there that Dame instantly was like, come here, I got to show you what you did wrong. Yeah,
1: on the defensive side, which Dame knows a lot about.
0: I know. I was thinking that. I'm like, hmm, I wonder what I'd think Dane called me a side-show me. Defense. But Anyways, Blazers own 4 on the week. I was worried they'd win some of these. We out-tanked the Master Tankers. Out-tanked Presti. Pretty impressive.
1: Out-tanked Presti and lost two games against the Rockets, which is pretty bad. Um, I kind of texted you, and I, th- I, I think we probably are the worst team in the NBA when it comes to talent that's coming out there. What do you think when it comes to that?
0: I mean, yeah, but not in a negative way. Like we all know that if the playoffs, if we're in the playoffs, Nurk would be healthy, Simon would be healthy, Dame would probably be healthy, Hart would be healthy. Uh, not necessarily little, but uh, just as Winslow. You know, it's not like a yeah. bad, bad. It's a good. It's a good bad. But, um, trending Watford out as well went down with a knee injury. It looked awkward. We were fearful of an ACL injury, but it's looking like it's just a bone bruise. Uh, did you see the play? It was kind of weird.
1: Yeah, just a little funky landing landed on a a, a foot, I think of an opposing player. Um, but yeah, I think it's we thought we oh we, we thought for the worst at the beginning, but it seems like he's just going to be reevaluated in a week or two, but it wouldn't surprise me if they. Shut them down the rest of the year. I already told you that they would do the same thing with Hart, and Hart has didn't play after I said what I said. So I feel like they're all just going to be shut down, and it's just going to be the the Brandon Williams, Drew Eubanks, CJ Ellaby types of shows every night. Um, but <laughs> the, the the anything anybody that's really going to be relevant for the Blazers next year, I feel like they are. Um, not going to be playing a lot of minutes down the stretch.
0: Yeah. At this point, like, it's, it's not even anything to be ashamed of. Yeah. Chauncey's still trying. The players pretty much try, but that's because they're trying for their own contracts. I was thinking about it. We must have told Nurk we were giving him an extension. You really think he would agree in a contract year to just sit out unless we told him we were?
1: Uh, yeah, or the planner fasciitis is a real thing.
0: I kind of don't think so. <laughs>
1: no cuz the they said he's been playing with it for a while and the game before he went out uh with that he put up one of his best games of the year which he had over 20 points and over 20 rebounds so um yeah he might yeah he might be uh in the talks with Cronin that we don't know about um but yeah um it seems like he's happy with the Blazers he did get fined $40,000 for the, the phone he threw that we talked about last week. Um, what do you think? Do you think it was too low,
0: too hefty? No, I don't think he should have been fined. At first, I thought it was bad, but then I heard the person said something about, like, his grandma who just died, and it seems like that's crossing the line. The kid should have been fined. Imagine you could go to the end <laughs> $50,000. Yeah. Right. But-
1: no. Uh, there, there, there should be a rule where you could uh, every, every, uh, every year a player gets to go into the every uh, player gets to Here fight a fan.
0: <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> you sound like Jeff Van Gundy with your rule changes.
1: That should be a, that should be a rule. Every, oh every player should have uh, one exceptions in the 82 game season to just punch a fan or slap a fan or whatever they want to do to him.
0: I think Carson's been watching too much uh, Will Smith. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Told you I'd get that in there. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that would probably uh, have gotten a lot of fans beaten up last year in the playoffs when they were all spitting on people and throwing popcorn.
1: Well, I feel like if if there was a rule like that, the, the heckling might stop a little bit. And, you know, Westbrook, who cries about his name being said, could actually just... I don't know. Get rid of that. I don't know. Maybe I, I'm. I'm being a little condescending. I'm not like I'm not being like realistic with it. But it, it, they should do something where the fans should get their comeuppance for doing what they're doing. Like if they're saying stuff that like they're saying the Nurkic. I mean, and that kind if, of they need,
0: stuff. if they need entertaining because we're taking that bad, then sure. Yeah. But uh, take away the family-friendly environment from the NBA. Why don't you? And. Anyway. <laughs> Blazers probably the worst team in the NBA. I think I saw some better better ball players. Actually, I did for sure this week in college basketball. You know, I saw saw a couple top picks. AJ Griffin, Paulo Benquero, Chet Holmgren, Wendell Moore Jr. Um gosh, what's the big Mark, Mark? What's his name? Mark Williams. Mark Williams. Saw some good talent there. Saw um Andrew Nemhard not look like, too talented, but Anyway, saw
1: the most over, saw the, uh what's the, whew, let me think of a good equivalent name to, saw the Dylan Brooks of the NBA, of the college basketball that just chuck sh- shots up in J.D. note.
0: Yep. note is going to be an NBA guy I, as well.
1: I don't know. he. I don't think he's very
0: good. I know. <laughs> he's in the mock draft. Okay, we didn't, that's the thing. Gonzaga, Arkansas wasn't good. Gonzaga just played terribly. When I watched Arkansas play Duke, I was like, "We really lost to this team." But uh, yeah, well,
1: that one guy on their team is really good. That that big, their big guy, he's pretty good.
0: He did not play well against Duke, but he played well against Gonzaga. Yeah,
1: he plays hard. I like how he plays.
0: But uh, Gonzaga, I was talking about this with my dad. Fully deserved to lose that game. They played terribly. But I can't help but not mention the phantom calls on Chet Holmgren, and then that out of bounds, whole half a foot out of bounds. I know, Arkansas three, but we deserve to lose. But those were both ridiculous. Skip Bayless was tweeting. I was on his side for one. <laughs>
1: Skip Bayless, yeah. Uh, the three pointer was, it was it was blatant. Um, but the guy the still
0: from the stadium. Promise.
1: The guy still made the shot. I guess he still had to make the shot for it to kind of go in there. But yeah, it was blatant. Uh, and then the Chet Holmgren. Uh, fouls the uh, the last one was the worst probably of all of them. his hands were straight up guy kind of ran into him uh for his last foul uh, but he even uh question the last three- fouls on him were really questionable um yeah so uh when Chet went out of the game, they go to uh what's what's their backups guy's name
0: uh anton Watson
1: yeah and he's just he just doesn't really have it. Um,
0: good defender but offensively no
1: yeah he doesn't have anything on the offensive end um, and just the shots that Timmy was making where we were talking about where his go to instead of like a heat check three was like a heat check sky hook he just he just wasn't making them um, yeah. and uh, kind of luck just kind of run out and then Nimhard just had a really really tough game from the field probably was one, one two for ten
0: and one of them was this like chuck that he made trying to get fouled. That was probably the worst game I've ever seen him play, which is really unfortunate. Um you could tell from the beginning, Gonzaga's game playing was to push the pace, try to get more possessions, less half-court offense. And I think Nimhard got a little too caught up in trying to push the ball. He's impressive handling, but he missed a wide open layup early on and just was not not the best. Not the best game. Um, but at the same time, after that. We had Texas Tech and Duke. Duke beat Texas Tech by five. I was at that game as well. Wonderful game. Van was very impressive. Um, I think Duke obviously just looks like they've got the most talent of any of the teams remaining. Wouldn't you agree?
1: They have the most – yes, they have the most talent. They have the most NBA talent. I would say that all, uh, all five, if they came out, their starting five would be uh, NBA picks. Their top four are probably all first-round picks. Of of their center Williams, uh, the Wendell Moore, and then uh, they have the uh, William. So what I went Williams Wendell Moore, and then the big two and uh, AJ Griffin and Paulo, and then Jeremy Roach is probably a second round pick. Probably
0: um, he's very talented.
1: Yeah, he's just he's a guy in the beginning of the year that Duke fans like hated because of his decision making. Uh, you could see that late in the Arkansas game, he did get a little loose with the ball, and the Arkansas kind of had a little comeback, and then they kind of took the ball out of his hands, and they put it in Wendell's Moore hand, Wendell uh, Moore's hands to kind of bring the ball up, and they kind of, uh, the lead kept, they just kept growing the lead. The, I would say the one thing about the JT Notte guy from Arkansas is his defense is really, really good. What, did he have, what do you have, eight steals against Gonzaga? I hope not.
0: I did not know that. but
1: I think he had eight steals against Gonzaga.
0: He was like nine of 27 shooting. I know that, but I did not know about the eight steals. Um, On the other end, we're kind of jumping around here, but that's okay. Um, Overall, West region, um, Gonzaga going down to Arkansas, Duke beating Texas Tech, and then Duke beating Arkansas. Um, Down on to the East region, we had North Carolina, UCLA. Wasn't actually that great of a game I expected it to be. Um, Jaime Hawkins just, he played, but obviously was not 100% with that ankle injury. Um, North Carolina won that game. And shout out to Caleb Love, who was just incredible that game. The announcer kept making jokes about, <laughs> about his last name. Um, but that was a great performance. You see that one?
1: Yeah, I got to watch a little bit. Uh, Blue blood matchup. North Carolina is just playing uh very well. They started the year horribly. Um as I'm a pretty big North Carolina fan when it comes to college basketball. They're probably one of my favorite college basketball teams. Um but yeah, uh they were begin they were terrible at the beginning of the year with their new coach, uh Hubert, Hubert Davis taking over for Roy Williams, but uh kind of got his mold and got his philosophy uh at the beginning of the uh the end of the year. Uh, beating Duke, uh, Coach K's last game, and then um, played well in the ACC tournament until they lost to Virginia Tech, um, and then since then, they, they've been playing pretty well, so um, they beat UCLA, and then they kind of overmatched uh, St. Peter's, we'll talk about that as well.
0: Yeah, North Carolina was my pick in our first podcast of the team to avoid, so that's March for you, but. Um, very up and down team. And right now, Caleb Love. Um, what's his name? Manic. Brady Manic.
1: Brady Manic, the Chris Kamen of shoots Three Pointers.
0: I've seen him compared to Kamen. I've seen him compared to Bill Walton, which is not similar to He just looks like it, kind of. But
1: yeah. And then for, you can't forget about Leaky Black, too.
0: <laughs> you did
1: the first podcast. I you. did. I did, but now I can't.
0: But uh, moving on, Purdue-St. Peter's, the Cinderella story continued as St. Peter's beat Purdue by three. They were down for a lot of the game, but they just kept fighting back. They played without a big real center, while Purdue went to this massive 7-4 guy over and over. Um, what did you think of Jaden Ivey that game? What did you think of St. Peter's?
1: Uh, Ivy had a really – he struggled a lot from the field. seemed like he was rushing a shot a lot. Uh he made an incredible three late in the game to kind of keep the game uh, manageable. I think he cut it to like a, uh, a one uh, possession game, making a crazy three with about 10 seconds left. But it seemed like St. Peter's, just like throughout the whole tournament, uh, they made clutch shots. And then down the stretch, they made really clutch free throws uh, for a team that hasn't been there before. It was kind of impressive. And uh, yeah, they pulled it out against Purdue. Um, and then they had to play a Blue Blood of North Carolina that kind of was just overmatched for them from the beginning. Uh, North Carolina started the game on a 7-0 run, and they just kind of didn't look back after that.
0: Yeah, I was pretty excited to watch that game. You could tell pretty early on it just wasn't going to be a competition. and It's kind of sad to watch how quickly a Cinderella story can turn into something like that, but um, pretty good tournament. Actually, great. Tournament for St. Peter's first 15 seed ever to reach the Sweet Six or Elite Eight. Um, honestly, actually, were they the first for to reach Sweet 16 as well, or was it just Elite Eight? I forget.
1: No, they were. They're the third team ever to reach the uh, Sweet 16. The last year, actually, Oral Roberts uh, made the Sweet 16. They beat Ohio State in the first round, um, and then. Uh, we can't forget about the, the Florida Gulf Coast year. Yeah, you're right. That was a 15 seed as well.
0: 15. But yeah, North Carolina going on to play Duke. Um, when I was going to the games, I was saying, yeah, I'm either going to see uh, Duke – I'm either going to see Coach K's last game or I'm going to see Duke win. I'm not a big Duke guy, but I grew up um, liking them. And After watching Arkansas beat Gonzaga, I was rooting for Duke in the next game.
1: Do you want to hear a crazy stat about Duke, North Carolina? Yes.
0: They've never played.
1: Yeah, they've never played in the tournament, which is absolutely crazy to me.
0: And North Carolina is either going to have the chance to end Coach K's career or Coach K is going to go on beating North Carolina, moving on to the championship. It's going to be crazy. Um, Probably going to be one of the most watched college basketball games ever, or at least in a very long time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's uh, a lot of a lot of crazy things when you think of uh, the kind of narrative that Duke and Coach K has uh, in his last, let's say, like run and last kind of uh, parade uh, for March Madness. So, a couple of things is that uh, he's won every region: the Midwest, the East. Uh, what's the other one called? The South.
0: It's the south, so, west, the east, and the midwest.
1: Yeah, so the south, the east, the midwest, but he's actually never won the west region. And he finished out the west region, so now he has the perfect bracket. He's won every region. And then also he um, has never made a Final Four that was played in New Orleans. So he's finally going to be able to play in New Orleans. Um, like there was a real, there was a year there was a time where uh they made seven out of nine final fours and the two final fours that he didn't make in that time frame were both in New Orleans. So really kind of weird how it's kind of matching up. And of course, like I don't we'll talk about it later, but it's just uh a lot of storylines kind of Pointing towards Duke, I wasn't in the building, but just watching on TV, it seems like Duke is like rallying around Coach K. It seems like they're the team to beat. Something's kind of inspiring over the players and Coach K, and it seems like uh, they kind of have the mojo. uh, Just from watching it on TV, what was it like in the building?
0: Kind of feels like a team of destiny, to be honest. Yeah, not I'm not one to normally think of that stuff, but it just doesn't. It just feels like they're going to win for Coach K. There was a moment in the game against Texas Tech where all the players slapped the floor at the same time. Did you see that? Yeah. All the fam- like
1: it was like yeah, they, it was like a three or five point game, and mm-hmm. uh, they did that. You don't really see that stuff. You see it kind of in the movies.
0: I've never seen that stuff besides like AAU people. Yeah. Uh, no, great, great game. Very excited for that for that matchup. Um, North Carolina beat Duke just a couple of weeks ago in the. Um, regular season, I believe.
1: Yeah, it was the last game uh, for Coach K at uh, at Camden, the the their home court. So he lost he lost his last home game uh, to North Carolina, and he could lose his final game to North Carolina. So if that happens, North Carolina's is gonna have a lot to talk about for Coach K and what the the dominance that they put on uh, him his last year. It might even make Coach
0: okay unretired yeah i <laughs> not, just because it might be cringe if he doesn't win the next year but it's going to be a great game i feel like duke's going to win just because of the luck not the luck they've had but just the storyline but uh one more correction from earlier probably not necessary but note had three steals versus Gonzaga, not eight uh, okay it must
1: either i know there was one game in the tournament where he had eight i, I
0: can't I, remember but anyway that's going to be a great game. I believe it's at five forty nine on Saturday. Um,
1: so is it the, Is it the sec, It's the second game.
0: Um, it would be the second game. Yes, I believe yeah. games. right. three oh nine. The other one, which I'm not going to say the teams yet because we're going to go through that and then Duke North Carolina five forty nine. So that'll be the second game Saturday prime time. Can't miss it. But uh, moving on to the South Region. First game, we had Michigan and Villanova. Villanova kind of dominated throughout the game. I didn't actually get to see it. I saw it was pretty close, but Villanova kind of always felt like they were going to win, but you probably saw more than I did.
1: Yeah, Villanova kind of dominated the whole the whole game. Villanova uh, kind of took out Michigan's best player, which is Hunter Dickinson, the big guy. Seems like uh, he was really their only offense and kind of just – it was pretty uh, easy game I would think for Villanova it was, it was pretty just top to bottom a good performance from them
0: yeah and speaking of easy games as I predicted on this podcast gotta have myself once in a while Houston beat Arizona pretty handily that one seemed like that was not that close either Houston kind of dominated them as well that's at least what I got from score watching as I was at the other games is that, is that what you saw on TV
1: uh yeah, it didn't seem it wasn't like a a talent uh discrepancy at all cuz I would say Arizona has more talent. It's just that Houston played a better game overall, out hustling. Uh, Arizona very least struggles with uh I don't say I wouldn't say sh- yeah, they I would actually say they they struggle with rebounding a little bit, which is kind of interesting for the size that they have. Um and Houston's one of the uh, I think they are the top offensive rebounding team in the nation. So uh, they were just out-rebounding them, out-hustling them. And uh, Ben Matherin had a really strugg- – he's really struggled from the field in the first half. Um, and then he kind of got hot a little bit, but it was just a little bit too late. Um, did you hear about the uh, – so I know Ben Matherin had, like, a little, like, scandal before the game. Really? Yeah, so supposedly he uh after the game against TCU he uh touched a cheerleader in the wrong way on TCU's side.
0: Wow, I did not know that.
1: They supposedly they, they didn't know that if it was gonna be uh if he was gonna get suspended for this game before or it, it it but it it seemed like it uh kinda died down a little bit. But uh maybe he had that on his mind. That's why he didn't play very well and the team didn't play very well because they were kind of thinking what they would do without their star player playing. But they had a little, uh, little kick in the road before the game, it seemed like. Um, but, yeah, Houston kind of just outperformed them in all, all aspects of the game while watching it.
0: Yep, I didn't say the game because I was at others, but I imagine that was kind of distracting. And then following up naturally, Houston and Villanova, I watched the first half of this game. Houston had like seven points with like 13 minutes into the half. It was ridiculous. But uh, another game that Villanova kind of dominated, Houston just couldn't score the ball. They're good defensively, but Villanova went on to beat Houston, but they lost one of their good role players to a torn Achilles. How do you- yeah,
1: his leg just literally snapped. You could actually see the, his leg vibrate. Um, it, it wasn't like a gruesome injury per se. It's just, you could see the tendon just, just snap. And, uh, yeah, uh, he went down. You knew it was kind of bad right from there. It looked, it looked like, a um, one of those, uh, that Kevin Durant moment from a couple years ago in the playoffs, where his, he just went for a move and his, his leg kind of vibrated and he knew something went wrong.
0: And how big do you think Justin Moore being out is to Villanova?
1: He's one of their good guards. Uh, they're going to probably have to play not the best team on paper, but the best seed on paper uh, the next round. So it's going to be a really good game. They still have Gillespie, who kind of runs their offense. They still have uh, Samuels, who's probably their best player. So um, they'll fill someone in for in that position. But uh, I think it's going to be a tough matchup going against a, a powerhouse that they're going to play.
0: Yep, in Kansas uh, got there, moving on to the Midwest by beating Providence in a game that, for a while, Providence was playing pretty well. Um, but in the end, Kansas just kind of took over as the one seed. that took over in the clutch. Um, Agbaji, I think it was that game, had a big dunk that kind of sealed the deal. Um, what did you think of that game?
1: Uh, these are the two games I wasn't able to watch.
0: Okay, so Iowa State and Miami and then Kansas and Providence?
1: Yeah, I didn't get to watch those ones.
0: Yeah, so I, I kind of was in and out of on those ones. I wanted Iowa State. Um, game was not great. Miami kind of beat them badly. Iowa State, again, struggled to score 59 points in the first game, 54 in the second game, 56 in the third game. Just not going to get it done. When Miami scoring 68, 79, and 70. Um, so Miami moved on to play Kansas and that game was very close for a long time. I think it was, Miami was probably, I think they were winning by six at halftime and they ended up.
1: So, yeah. So Miami was winning by eight. Yeah. Kansas scored a basket to make it six. And then uh, with 20 seconds left, Miami kind of held for the last shot and they kind of just started dribbling and dribbling and uh guard on Kansas kind of just locked them down and made them fumble it. And then the guy from Miami tried to check a shot up and he blocked it. And then the Kansas guy just kind of just, just screamed his whole team. Like, let's go, let's go. And it kind of just pumped them up and they kind of just didn't look back. Like being down at six at halftime, uh, and then winning by 26. So outscoring the opponent by 32 in 20 in 20 minute half, uh, is really impressive. And, um, that's that's where Villanova's going to have to play. So um, it was really impressive to see that. Um, as well, what's kind of interesting um, is that my boss actually is still in his survivor pool
0: wow. for
1: the, uh, his survivor pool where he picked Kansas. Um, so he was kind of stressing out. At work, being down six, but they won by twenty six. But uh, if North Carolina beats Duke, do you want to guess how much money he wins? How much? So supposedly he wins thirty two thousand dollars.
0: Oh my gosh! How much
1: does so, he? This- so the rich gets richer.
0: Yep. How much does he have on this? Do you know?
1: Uh, so uh, it was I think he told me it was a fifty dollar entry for. Um, all of these, uh, for every pick for the survivor pool. And I think he did about 20 of them. So he's about a thousand deep. So, uh, if North Carolina wins, he wins 32,000. If they don't, uh, he doesn't win anything. So (laughs) that's, uh, it is on a Saturday, so he doesn't work on a Saturday. So, uh, (laughs) I don't have to be at work uh, if they do lose and hopefully you won't have me scrubbing toilets or something.
0: Well, speaking of high waging high waging money, I uh I've got a little bit of money on the line. So in my bracket, if Villanova makes the final game, so if they win their next game and Duke doesn't win the title, I'll win the whole thing. So as long as Duke doesn't win and as long as Villanova wins their next game, I'll win three hundred bucks on a ten dollar entry. So a little bit lower stakes, but you know. Same same value. Yeah, same value to me. Uh, and that's interest. That's a funny, funny way for me to win money after picking Gonzaga and thinking I was totally out. Uh, Villanova has just gotten me a lot of points that nobody else has.
1: Well, in a bracket like yours, where well, you're kind of doing it with people, probably other people from Gonzaga, right? So my guess is that you probably have a lot of people that just pick Gonzaga.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of people from Oregon, but they still pick Gonzaga. So.
1: So you probably did. You just you did, it in, in a league like that, you just have to pick every other. Kind of thing better than they did So you must have did a pretty good job I know you had Iowa State yeah, um, Going pretty far
0: Mostly Villanova um, There's actually only one other person from Gonzaga there The rest from Oregon, but they don't have a team So They don't have a team in the tournament at least But
1: um, Yeah, they don't even have a team in the NIT They lost in that too
0: Yep. Who are you predicting to win? I'm, I'm taking personally Villanova to the final And then I'm going to take Duke Even though I'd rather UNC win And then I I feel like Duke's kind of a team of destiny and they're going to beat Villanova, but I hope it's the other way around just for my bracket's sake. Yeah,
1: it's the uh, it was the year of upsets in the bracket, but it kind of ended out as the, the Blue Blood Invitational for the Final Four. And uh, you got four Blue Bloods here. I, I kind of count Villanova as a Blue Blood. They've won before. They've won previously. Um, they don't have the Kentucky Blue Blood or the – UCLA blue blood tag to them. But I feel like they're um, a new blood for sure. Um, but I feel like it's going to be North Carolina. And then that Villanova-Kansas game is going to be really good. I think North Carolina has a lot of uh, firepower. and They've been playing really well. I-, I have North Carolina winning the whole thing.
0: Wow. Wouldn't that be something? Eight seed. But we'll see it. Only one eight seed has ever won. And I believe that was Villanova. Was
1: so- oh, it Villanova? I thought it was UConn.
0: No, I don't think UConn was an 8. Um, but I will do a quick Google search. I know Villanova was an 8 when they won.
1: But, UConn uh, won as a 7 or an 8. I can't remember.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll have to look that up in the meantime. But um, we're pretty much predicting different things. You say you're going to North Carolina win the whole thing, but who do you think they're going to play?
1: Um, it's going to be a really close game. Um, It's going to come down to guard play in that type of game. Um, I feel like if Villanova gets the lead at the beginning of the game, I feel like they could control the rest of the game. But I feel like if Kansas plays their game and kind of runs the tempo, I don't think Villanova has the offensive power to stay with Kansas. So it's kind of like how the, the flow of the game goes with. Um, if I was to pick one, I probably would pick Kansas.
0: Gotcha. So we, we kinda have opposite opposite picks here. But uh I believe Villanova after doing a little bit of Google while you were talking was the lowest seed ever to win at an eight seed. But um maybe maybe UConn, if you could if you could try to find that, we'll make sure our listeners get the right information. No fake news here, but uh we'll see. Guess we've got opposite picks. Um either way they're gonna be great games. Saturday is just kind of a college basketball heaven, but um, and then the following game would be on Monday. At least that's when it usually is. Yes, I believe it would. Be. But um, we'll see what happens. I hope for my bracket that Duke does not win the whole thing and that Villanova makes the final. But I also will be happy with anything, especially with the Coach K narrative going on. UConn
1: um, was UConn was a seven seed.
0: Okay, so pretty close.
1: Shabazz Napier.
0: That's true. Um, is Paolo Banqueiro the new number one? I know that's a question you want to talk about. My answer is no. I still think Jabari Smith is better um, as a draft pick. I still think I'd take Chet over Paolo, but I think Paulo I'd probably go third. Um, I could be crazy, but that, that's... It depends on the team. It depends if you're like the Blazers and you're trying to win next year, or if you're like the Thunder and you want to pick the pick the project. So,
1: I feel like the reason. So, I feel like the reason that Paulo is getting the talks now that um, he's going to be the new number one is, I think, one of the reasons is that he's the only one playing in the tournament like So, he's the only one that people are looking at, um, and his stock can only rise basically because his team's performing and his team's playing well. Where Chet's out jabari's out um paulo and aj griffin are really the only lottery prospects left in this tournament right now um so his pros- his uh rise his uh stock can only usually rise Ag- um, what was that
0: agbaje's kind of a lottery
1: but- i don't know the things i've seen from abaji is that his draft stock's kind of gone down because he doesn't really play a lot of defense
0: yeah, but he's, he was, at least, in the conversation.
1: Yeah, at, at the beginning of the tournament. Um, but I would say the set stone guys that are going to be for sure lottery picks are both on Duke. So um, North Carolina doesn't really have anybody. Villanova doesn't really have anybody. So um, Paulo's stock can only really rise unless he was to do a complete dud. So I feel like he's a, he's a top three for sure um he's kind of creeping into that two spot for me um but yeah he's he his stock can really only rise i see in a final four game leading his team to the final four
0: i wouldn't be shocked if mark williams ended up a lottery uh pick with how he's been playing
1: yeah he's played really well he's pretty good really good as well
0: but uh, so there's something I have not, I haven't told Carson what we're doing here, but I'm kind of wanting to just test his, not test him, but see who he'd pick in different scenarios. So I've got the NBA Tankathon simulator up, and I'm going to do it three times, let you know what picks we get, and then I kind of want to hear what you're thinking we would do in that scenario. Does that make sense? Okay. So first sim, Blazers get the seventh pick, and they get the tenth pick. So who do you think we'd target if we had seven and ten?
1: Um, are you going to tell, like, so who are the players that they picked before? Do they give, do they give you that?
0: No. So just giving us the pick and just guys that you think would probably be available in that range.
1: Okay. Um, so guys that are going to be in that range for me are probably going to be, uh, Keegan Murray from Iowa, AJ Griffin from Duke.
0: Mm. Sohan.
1: Sohan's probably a little bit later. He's probably more in that ten spot.
0: Yeah, um, maybe Sohan and maybe Griffin if he's available for sure. Griffin and Murray if they're available at seven, and Sohan and
1: yeah, that's that's what I would do. Um, uh, Matherin kind of I I really high on Matherin, um, but I feel like his stock might have went down for that that last game and the little scandal he had, but um, he's another person as well. If like maybe um, Griffin and Murray aren't there at the top at that six, seven range, Uh, he could be someone we could go for. I think he's a little bit more polished than um, another guy in that range, like Johnny Davis from Wisconsin. So, um, but the guys that I would want, so like I guess my pick at seven would probably be uh I'm still really high on Keegan Murray. And then at ten I would probably go Sohan.
0: I I kind of agree with that. Keegan Murray or AJ Griffin and then Sohan. Um I just ran another sim and this time third pick and tenth pick. So I'm gonna keep your Sohan pick at number ten. Who would you take at number three? Let's let's assume that you have a choice between the Jabari Smith is gone. Um, okay, and you let's just say Ivy's gone it too. Let's just say you have Chet versus Ben Carroll. That's your pick. Who are you taking? It's a
1: really tough pick. Chet's gonna be the unicorn where you kind of don't know how his games going to correlate to the NBA. Um, you don't know if people are gonna overpower him. Uh, or you don't know if he's going to gain muscle like Giannis did and stuff like that. Because if he gains muscle, he could be kind of unstoppable. Um, but on the other side, Paolo is probably the most polished player already in the NBA. Um, like I talked about, he's kind of already built as the NBA player. He doesn't really have the highest upside, but he probably has the highest floor too. So he's going to be a guy that's probably going to be in the NBA for uh 10 plus years um it's tough
0: it's pretty much impossible to say there's no right answer i'm gonna try it's to be tough. honest and say i'd pick chet i mean obviously there's some bias there but chet didn't play that well in the tournament and ben caro has i saw both live i can fully admit that ben caro is better i just think if the Blazers are trying to play the game of helping next year for Dame, but also building for the future, I feel like Chet is just probably the better pick. Um, just because...
1: Yeah, I, feel, I, mean, I think Chet would help him out long-term. I think that probably Paula would help him out short-term. Um, but if I'm looking at the long-term picture, I probably would pick Chet as well.
0: Yeah. And I, my hope is that Chet would come in and he'd provide defense, which we need more than Bancaro coming in and providing instant offense and kind of a lack of defense. But it's a tough it's a tough pick. There's just there's a possibility that Chet becomes a like some people described him as like obviously draft comparisons are over comparisons, but a Rudy Gobert who can shoot and dribble. There's a possibility he becomes that.
1: Yeah, and the the one downside about Paulo as well is that he doesn't really shoot threes he's kind of another guy that kind of posts up in the paint and maybe if he has a bigger guy on him he could drive by but i don't know how the spacing would be with him and nurkic kind of on the court it's kind of a little iffy to me at least check and um, spread the floor and shoot a little bit better than paulo can
0: yeah i completely agree and last sim the blazers actually give up their pick their new orleans pick Uh, Back to New Orleans, but then they land the the number one pick with their pick. So Jabari Smith, is that who you'd you'd take?
1: I would take Jabari Smith.
0: Just special shooter and already a good defender.
1: The one thing he just needs to learn is off the dribble shooting, And how he's going to be the next unstoppable player of Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum. Um, Okay, that's
0: a big prediction.
1: I think he's going to be really good.
0: Yeah, I do as well. And that's who I'd take. But uh, favorite to win, we already talked about that. What are your one shining moment locks besides the uh, cheerleader? By the way, that happened again—not just Indiana, but um, yeah, it wasn't—it
1: wasn't as—it wasn't as, uh, wasn't as uh, potent, I guess. But you were there for both times.
0: <laughs> yeah, the second one, everyone in the stadium knew. They're like, get a cheerleader, and it's like, I'm pretty sure the cheerleader had already—they'd talked about it. Oh, if this happens, I'm going to get it. It was cool that now cheerleaders do it, but the first time was just so much better with the ref like not being able to reach it and <laughs> all that stuff. But uh, everybody in Instagram comments was like, "What's her? What's her number? What's her number?" I was like, goddamn. <laughs> um.
1: So one shining moments means like what are, uh, what are things that I think are going to be in the one shining moment thing at the end of the tournament? What they always do. Mm-hmm. Um. I definitely think the cheerleader thing is going to be in it. I definitely think that, um, Jawan Howard's hug on Kennedy Chandler is going to be in it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I definitely think that, uh, a moment of St. Peter's is definitely going to be in it.
0: Arkansas
1: Gonzaga, uh, I'm sure will be in it. Yeah. The, both the one seeds kind of losing on the same day. That will probably be in it. Um,
0: what? You, what winners, so probably nothing there. Yeah, there was no
1: buzzer beaters. I think the Texas half court shot will probably be in there. I don't know if you saw that.
0: That was really a one.
1: No, it was just a half court shot for halftime against uh, Virginia Tech. Guy me a half court shot.
0: There was also That's, a big dunk by Jabari Smith and one by Matherin, I believe. Big shot by Mathur. Yeah. Um. um, um uh-huh. The question that I have for
1: you, I haven't really figured it out. So they have the moment in the thing where they go, you're a shooting star. And they always show the, the guy that has the best kind of shooting performance.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Peyton Pritchard was actually one of them one year. Um, who do you think that's going to be?
0: Ooh. I wonder, is it, is it kind of biased to who wins? No,
1: because Peyton Pritchard didn't win it. The guy that they usually do it—it's uh, usually just the guy that just shoots the lights out. It might be AJ Griffin.
0: Yeah, although he doesn't—he sh- shoots such a high percentage, but he doesn't shoot a ton of them. I was thinking more of Caleb Love, but
1: could be. Um, I mean, he actually... Or it could—it could be Manic. <laughs> I guess. Um, but like last year, it was Luke Garza, and Luke Garza lost in the second round. Usually, they usually they, they have like the guy that just kind of shoots the lights out who has like a huge game um I remember one year it was Carson Edwards from Purdue um Trey Burke I don't know Trey Burke yeah I kind of I, I that's the one that's like the one thing that I kind of look for um I don't know I that's I just don't know who it's going to be this year I there don't. really hasn't been a standout um to shooting performance per se um from one player except for the kid from uh San Francisco. They lost in the first round.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but uh, yeah. I think those are some good one shining moment locks. I think Coach K will be in there. I think that uh, there'll be some more moments made in the last few games. Hopefully, well,
1: yeah. The last like thirty seconds is all from the final four. So, yeah,
0: yeah. a little bit of a a gear switch back to the NBA. Chris Paul's back. Suns are unstoppable. They have clinched the best record in the NBA. They've got over 60 wins now. Um, Chris Paul got that rest that we talked about; might be beneficial for him. Booker's kind of making his MVP case, but I think it's a little bit too late. Um, what do you What do you think with the Suns?
1: Uh, the Suns look really, really good. Um, CP three kind of controlling the offense again. They are on another seven eight game win streak it seems like once a month they kind of go on one of those so uh, yeah they look like the team to beat seems like it uh that eastern conference is kind of just beating up on each other you got the top four spots are all separated by a game which is crazy and the suns just are 14 games better than the top seed in the in the east so they are they're definitely running the table, they're running away with the best record. They kind of already have it locked up, um but yeah they they seem to, the team to beat, yeah, they seem like they are the team to beat.
0: yeah, definitely agree there um, as far as the east, the Celtics are now number one. they've had an amazing defense that i don't I was trying to pinpoint where the switch happened, but suddenly and Celtics went from being kind of like. The Blazers, pre, pre-Lillard injury, just the team was kind of a mess. And now they suddenly, number one seed in the East, although unfortunately Robert Williams third went down with a slight meniscus tear. To, uh, I think the news came out today, but I don't think he got, he got hurt today. Um He probably no. be back for the playoffs, but he's down for a little bit. And then um, at the same time, I think Jalen Brown was out tonight. Jason Tatum was out tonight. Al Horford was out tonight. I don't know if those were injuries, but uh, they played the Raptors. Mm-hmm. Okay. yeah
1: um the Robert Williams injury is really really scary because that's the one position they 're not really deep at. And I mean he kind of is their um, energizer besides Marcus Smart, but he's had a great year um, but the one thing I could see is that Tatum and Brown are kind of meshing a little bit better with um a point guard that kind of gets them more involved and the the thing is it was they had it all along Marcus smart's kind of been the uh, distributor that they've kind of been looking for and um, I've just seen Tatum kind of take a big leap. Um, I feel like, I talked about it earlier, I feel like he's one of the most unstoppable players to guard one-on-one and making just incredible tough, difficult shots where he's the tall, lanky, 6'10 guy that can kind of just shoot everywhere from like Kevin Durant and I feel like he's turning into kind of the next Kevin Durant where he's every shot is kind of a good shot. Um, and he's, I don't know he's one of the best players in the NBA. He's, he's kind of showing it.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I think they're kind of actually playoff game for now. Do you think they're championship contenders? Cause I personally, I want to say that they're not still, but I haven't watched enough of them recently to really, really make that claim. Um, I'd like to see them win playoff series a playoff series with Marcus Smart as their point guard or Derek Wyatt. I think that'll be tough. Um and I think that they might kinda get eaten alive by a big team like the Sixers or the Bucks if Robert Williams is not playing, but if he is, I think obviously it's a different story.
1: Yeah, um I mean that East is just so wide open. You have the top four seeds that I think are um all championship contenders. And then you have Brooklyn with the news that um, Kyrie can play home games again. So they are kind of uh, even as like a, a in team, they're going to be scary um, for one of those teams. So one of those teams is going to be out um, or Brooklyn's going to be out. So I think Brooklyn has really five, uh, not Brooklyn, but the East has five contenders where the West really right now, with the Curry injury, it seems like they, I mean, Memphis is a good story, but I don't, I don't see them uh, fighting against Phoenix um, in a seven game series. So um, I feel like that East is kind of wide open. I still like Milwaukee cause they've been there before and they kind of um, have the best player. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's five really contenders in the East for sure.
0: And like you said, the East is so close. If it doesn't paint a picture, just from Carson saying that in your head of how close it is, when we made this, um, our little podcast outline, we have it that the Celtics are the real deal, number one in the East. A few hours go by, they're now number four, just because Miami passed them as the one seed now, and then they're tied with the Sixers and Bucks, um, who both own the tiebreaker over them. So very close. Um, they're kind of all fighting for eventual home court advantage in later rounds, most likely. And it's going to be interesting if some of those teams kind of fight
1: to not be a top two seed where one of them have to play Brooklyn. That's true. I don't know know how that's going to play out. You can't kind of – I don't know how that's going to play out. Do you want to play for home court advantage later in the playoffs or do you want to avoid Brooklyn?
0: I mean, I think if you're Boston, you probably want to avoid Brooklyn. Um, just because if Robert Williams is going to be down, you're going to want to maybe delay that matchup a little bit longer and hopefully play the Bulls in the first round as well because I think the Bulls, or the Raptors, I guess, Bulls, Raptors, Cavs, kind of to see how that shakes out, but those are all pretty even. In my opinion, the Cavs would probably be the easiest team to beat there, and then the Bulls and the Raptors the best, so I think the Celtics might want to try to avoid Brooklyn, Um, but it's not easy to do. Just because yeah. you can't are, predict everything. The, the East
1: has a lot of good teams and then the other teams kinda of in that playing spot are Charlotte who's playing really well and uh Atlanta that made the Eastern Conference Finals last year. So uh yeah, you got a lot of good teams out in the East where it used to be that yeah, for the West it's kind of split. It's kind of done a little turn where um if you were if you had a losing record by about five or 10 games in the Eastern conference, you're probably in that eight spot. Now it's kind of the opposite realm where the Lakers are fighting for that 10 spot and they're like 15 games under 500. So um, the, the tides have kind of turned um, where the East is a little bit more deeper than the West. It seems like.
0: Yeah. in in the East, the spots are kind of already claimed uh, Miami, Philly, Milwaukee, Boston, Chicago, Toronto, Cleveland, Brooklyn, Charlotte, and Atlanta kind of already cemented in as the 10-team. So we're just waiting to see who plays. And then, like you said, who plays who? And like you said, in the Western Conference, uh, the Spurs are fighting with the Lakers for that 10th and 11th spot, along with the Pelicans, who could drop. What just blows my mind is that the Blazers have only lost four less games than the Los Angeles Lakers, while the Blazers are trying to tank, and the Lakers are trying to <laughs> to win i just don't understand how it's even happening um but yeah the west there could be some movement um, particularly in the like three through six area and then also between the pelicans lakers and spurs as we mentioned so lakers you predict are not going to make the playoffs because the spurs who are half a game back from them have two games against the blazers who desperately want to lose and will probably hand those games to the spurs so it's up to LeBron to maybe save them and keep that spot at ten right now. Um, just to give them a chance to play two playing games in a row because they're not, by the looks of it, going to take the eight seed. So the Lakers would have to first of all win some games to avoid the Spurs taking their spot and then once they do would have to win two games in a row to make the plan or make the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I just um when I just the Spurs have been playing very good basketball lately. It's not I don't know if it's because they've been playing poor opponents. Um, They have played the Blazers. They have played uh, the Pelicans. They did play the Lakers as well, and then they beat Houston tonight. Um, Kind of – all teams kind of – two of them were fighting for playoff spots, um, and then the other two are in full tank mode. Um, But, you know, uh, they – I mean, the thing that I notice is that uh, the Lakers play – They have nine games left or eight games left. Eight games left on their schedule, and seven of those eight are against playoff teams. So um, nothing's going to be easy. You can see that the Lakers can't – they've had trouble holding leads the last couple of games as well. I think they were up like 25 against New Orleans, and they blew it. Um, So you don't know about that. And then, like like you said, San Antonio plays the Blazers twice – um, this upcoming week, so if <laughs> if they get those two games and they play the way they 've been playing, like I can see San Antonio creeping into that spot, and LeBron not even being able to play in that playing game
0: which is just would just be crazy on so many levels, and LeBron would talk poorly on the play again, but if it saves him he 's going to like it um Pelicans also in that spot where they'd have to win two in a row, maybe going to miss the playoffs as well, which for the Blazers' sake, we want them to miss the playoffs. If the Pelicans miss the playoffs, we don't get their pick. We'd love for them to lose as much as they can as well, as long as that pick doesn't fall between one and four and then above um, 14, I believe.
1: Yeah, I mean, the best case scenario probably for the Pelicans is to lose in the play-in. Kind of guarantees that we get the pick the odds of that pick going into the top five is very or top four is very slim. So, uh, we would get their pick between, um, probably between five and 12, most likely 12 and 10. So it'd be pretty. Um, that's kind of what I'm rooting for. It seems like they're not going to finish below. Um, it seems like they're probably going to be locked into that playing spot. So, um, just in that playing game we gotta root for whoever's playing against New Orleans and uh the kinda kinda locks up the pick for us.
0: And speaking of New Orleans, the Blazers play the Pelicans this Wednesday, um seven PM at home, so it'll be the return of CJ McCollum. Excited for that.
1: Are you gonna go I know you haven't been going to the games, but are you, are you
0: gonna go to that one? I'm not. I actually have a uh I have a basketball game of my own. Oh or the, the, return
1: of, the return of Ryan Mandel.
0: Yeah, so I'm returning at the same time as CJ. We'll see which one is kind of more talked about in the community, but uh, mm-hmm. anyways, Blazers got they have two games against the Spurs upcoming um, like you talked about, but as far as this week, we had the Thunder game tonight, which we talked about. We lost and then Pelicans game Wednesday um, on Friday, playing the Spurs at 5.30 p.m. in San Antonio. And then on Sunday in San Antonio at 4 p.m. So hopefully we go 0-3. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say for the Blazers, for tanking, for Jimmy Butler, for March Madness?
1: Jimmy Butler?
0: I know that was in uh, – it's in your script, something you wanted to talk about, Jimmy Butler kind of losing losing his – his, shit on Eric Spolstra, so just thought maybe... Even...
1: <laughs> Jimmy Butler's just he's a hothead. He's a competitor. I don't, I don't think anything about that. Um, he's just kind of frustrated of how Miami's been playing lately, so um, he'll turn it around. He's a competitor. I don't think he's going to pull a, a Timberwolves on uh, Spolstra.
0: We'll see, but yeah. I don't <laughs> Anyways, Another great episode, ripping hoops, Monday night, getting ready for the Final Four, getting ready to see where everybody falls in the playoffs. For once in a long time, we were going to be observing the playoffs without the stress of the Blazers. The only stress we'll probably have is making sure the Pelicans don't make the playoffs. So, have a good week, guys. Let's let's go 0 and 3. Let's get three losses this week. And uh, once again, affiliated with the. Rose City Hoops Instagram page. Thank you, guys.
1: Go Tar Heels.